Hey everybody, welcome to the Lap Storytelling Podcast, where we tell true stories gussied up. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. These guys have over 150,000 audiobooks to choose from. For listeners of the Laps who worked out this thing, if you want a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial to Audible.com, I got that for you. To download your free audiobook today, remember this. Go to audibletrial.com slash thelaps. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash T-H-E-L-A-P-S-E. I'm even going to give you a recommendation because I just listened to it and it is so good. Download The Good Lord Bird by James McBride. It won a whack of awards. It's got this Huckleberry Finn adventure feel. The audio version is so well-voiced that if you like the show, I think you'll dig it. Visit audibletrial.com slash thelaps today. And with all that said, I'm your host, Kyle Jest, and today is a very special episode of The Lapse. This time, you're going to hear the same story told from two different voices, from two differing perspectives. So if you're used to hearing my voice all the time, my narration is going to step back a little bit on this one. Not every kid relates to mom and dad, and not every mom and dad quite gets what the kids are doing at the Burning Man. So if you think getting the whole family to something like that is a challenge, try making your first movie about it. Like the movie in question, I'm calling this one what it is, Taking My Parents to Burning Man. Here it comes. This is The Lapse. Bryant and Joel are studying film just a few months from their degree. Brian had come up with this idea of taking his parents to Burning Man. He comes up to me, he says, Joel, I got this awesome idea. It's, it's a sentimental documentary about Burning Man where I follow my parents and it's going to be called Burning, Burning Boundaries. Boundaries. <coughs> That's the dumbest fucking name I've ever heard in my life. All right. Hold the phone. What is Burning Man? I thought Burning Man was like the most hardcore thing out there. Sex, drugs, burning false idols in the desert. In reality... It is a festival that's built on participation. There's no money exchanged there. It's an economy based around gifting. It's really hard to explain to people, and, and everyone gets something different out of it. Some people are like, yeah, it's the best party ever. And they sleep all day and just rave hard every night. Then there's people who are like, it's the greatest art expression ever, and they're, they're in that scene. People will be like, it's the greatest place to go have orgies. In short, this city springs up out of the Nevada desert. And at the end of the festival, they burn it. You know, we were just out of film school. We had no money. And then I heard about this whole crowdfunding thing. The boys raise a staggering $10,000 on Kickstarter. In order to make this happen, we just I had maxed out two of my credit cards getting everything ready for the desert. With you, we can make this And then lose all of it to what Kickstarter later calls an administrative glitch. My friend that was lending us an RV informs me that it's not ready to go. There is 40 hours of work to put into it. Try booking an RV a week before Burning Man. I'm all about, like, like trust the universe. Like, we can figure it out. No matter what Burning Man's going to be there, we're going to find a ride down. No, trust the universe. It'll all work out as it should. My parents are all like, cut the bullshit. You can't just trust the universe. We have to go to Burning Man in three days, and we don't know how we're getting down there. The word hope is my least favorite word in the English dictionary. If, if, if hope is what drives you, you're not driven. You're just waiting for some magic to fucking happen. Two nights before we go to leave to Burning Man, it's this Australian guy, his name's Henry. He bought a 40-foot school bus. This green, old 40-foot school bus that goes a maximum of 40 miles an hour and runs on propane. I didn't even know vehicles could run on propane. Why, mate? Henry says. Do you need a ride down for your, for your film crew and your parents? Joel hesitates. Do you know anything about buses? Oh, yeah, mate. Know how to drive them? Know how to party in them? 
Parents in tow and their credit cards maxed, the crew hits the road. The deal with Henry means that 15 other first-time burners are also on the bus. He was kind of like Otto from The Simpsons, and Otto wasn't chill but obnoxious. Joel's already got his producer's cap on. He points at a cameraman. Why don't we play a game of I Never with the parents and the whole bus? <clears throat> Brian's dad poses the next I've Never. I've never been in a menage a trois. Several burners, including his son, take a drink. And then from the front of the bus. You got me. Rules are rules, so he takes a drink from his beer. Except that it's their driver, Henry. How, how does, does this person even exist? At 40 miles an hour, the 800-mile trip ain't exactly rushing by. We want to get to Burning Man today. If we stop for gas, it becomes an hour just because, like, oh, two people want to go smoke. And then at the very end, two more people like, oh, wait, wait, we want to smoke. And then the people at the first smoke's like, oh, well, you're smoking, I'll start a smoke. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going to go crazy. Meanwhile, Brian just kicks back. Me and the parents, we're the only ones, like, losing our shit because everyone's, like, not go, 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 go. Burning Man starts, and they're still not there. He feels a hand on his shoulder. It's Brian's dad, Charles. You know what? Charles says. I realize we don't have a plan. As long as I know that, and that there is no plan, we can never not be on time. And he just kind of chilled out, and that kind of chilled me out too. We arrive like in the middle of the night, pretty much. It's totally dark. 30 hours later than we planned. And there's nowhere to camp. We thought we had this space put aside for us, but I guess it was too small of a space for what we actually had. They stumble across the Black Rock Desert for an hour, trying to find somewhere to settle. You've never experienced a drier dry in your life. This is a place that physically cannot sustain life. The only sign of life I saw in the week I was there I saw a tumbleweed rolling in the distance, and I was like, oh my god, life can sustain here? Where are these tumbleweeds growing? It is a place that, like, you just go to die. Finally, there's a spot where nobody's hunkered down. The camp next door is enormous, housing nearly 150 burners. They'll need permission. Bryant opens up the big tent's flap and marches inside, Joel in tow. Dozens of people in their 40s, 50s, and even 60s sit inside, but nobody pays the kids much mind. They mostly speak their own language. Every second word is fucking this and fucking that. Brian's like, hey, you know, we're shooting this documentary. We thought we had a place to camp. Turns out we didn't. A handlebar mustache points a finger at Brian. I saw you on Kickstarter. Turns out a lot of people know this camp. Tuna camp. It's a group of like 60-year-old tuna fishermen, 150 people in this camp. That bring down pounds upon pounds of tuna in a refrigerated truck, and they serve it to the playa. They just like give it away. Their theme camp owner died that year trying to save the people on his ship. They're not at all like the stereotypes Brian's parents are expecting. With camp settled and the sun rising, filming can start. But Bryant wants one quick adventure before business. No, guys, we need to go out and do this much. Joel taps his timepiece. Probably the only person at Burning Man wearing a watch. <sighs> Just a half hour, he says. And Bryant disappears into the crowd. And it's like telling the kids at Disneyland, like, don't go off and play on whatever rides you want. Like, Let's go as a Joel spends his time getting to know the place with Lee and Charles, Bryant's mom and dad. Everywhere they look, 
there's something new to see. Oh, there's titty painting, there's a math lecture, they're playing the Big Lebowski, this is great! On the other end of Burning Man, Bryant and his friends skip from one exhibit to the next. A geodome that you could drop down 20 feet into like a phone pit. Flamethrowers, ships on wheels, marionettes, and more. They're in the middle of a tennis match when Joel finally finds them. Are you kidding me? Do you know how long you guys were? And we're like, I don't know, like 45 minutes? I kinda had to be bad cop. We have to shoot a feature film, right? He's like, two and a half hours! How are you gonna make a movie without a watch? I'm like, how are you gonna experience Burning Man with a watch on, asshole? <laughs> Over the next few days, they try and work out a balance. Brian will stick to his schedule, Joel loosen up a little. I had a few nights off. Most of them I ended up partying with Henry. The two of them take their bikes, exploring the desert city streets. And they are actually streets. All of them are named. A couple ladies wave them over, their skin already a chestnut brown from the sun. How are you guys doing? We're like, good. We're great. And they're like, what do you guys like to do? Henry pats Joel on the back. He's got this one. He's got this huge beard. He hasn't cut his hair in like a year. He wears his pants down to like the top of his dick. He steps off his bike, flashes a smile, and says, I like to fuck. On the other end of the desert, Brian's parents are exploring. Lee turns to Charles. Oh, I should have brought a snack. Hungry, and they're in the middle of the desert. Before she says anything else, something buzzes past her leg. It's a remote-controlled dump truck full of chips and dip. It's like someone read her mind. Are you kidding me? They look around for who's driving it, and they can't even see. Lee takes a bite and backs up a step. The dump truck mirrors her movements. You think of something, it pops up in front of you, and I wasn't sure if my parents would experience this. Playa magic. As the days pass, that same feeling, that sense of wonder, seems like it's around every corner. Joel and Charles tour the art installations in the big playa area, and he suddenly just gets it. These humongous installations, this amazing engineering, and he was just blown away. Oh my gosh, this is what it's about? The piece de resistance. We walked into this pirate ship and he was just like, holy shit, this giant pirate ship, like to scale, and all the set deck inside was like period accurate. Oh my gosh, like look, look at this table. Look at like the little intricate details of this. We looked at every detail and we're just like, there's so much love that went into this. On the second last day, the eponymous Burning Man set ablaze. That night is crazy. My gosh, it was like the hottest thing ever. There, there's explosions that happen and like the heat from the fire was so intense, like I thought my camera was gonna melt and I thought my face was gonna melt. But despite the name, that's not really the end of Burning Man. Everyone thinks that it ends after that, but the day after that, they burn the temple. For Lee, Brian's mom, right before we left on the trip, like a couple months before, uh, her mom passed away for basically no reason. She was healthy, she needed a standard operation, and something went wrong in that operation, and she died. And it was just like out of the blue. At Burning Man, there's this temple. It's almost like a giant memorial without any sort of religious denomination or anything like that. And you write like something for a loved one who's passed away or something that you want to change in your life. At the end of the week, they burn it down and it, it's like this release of grief usually for, for most people is what it's become. The whole family is at the temple. Lee writes her mother's name on the wall. The whole family hugged and held each other and uh, I'm bawling behind the camera. Like, I've never been in an energy where you walk into a room and the energy is so intense that you just start bawling. I'm not a spiritual person by nature. I, I could not even, like, look through my lens very well because I was crying so hard. That night, the temple burns. 
this time there's no revelry, only whispers like the gusts of desert wind. And as the flame is being lit, a chorus rises. A choir sings this beautiful rendition of Ave Maria. The temple is engulfed, and Burning Man comes to an end. With a little word of mouth, the crew re-raises the money they need for the film. Two years later, they have a movie. Anytime you've like done something massive or made something massive and it comes to a close, it's this weird impact, this weird like afterglow that you have. Bryant swears he'll attend Burning Man every year for as long as he possibly can. And Joel? I'm going to Burning Man with my parents this summer. <laughs> I didn't really realize what I signed up for. Having to edit this project, looking at Burning Man all the time, and it being so much a part of my life, I have to go back. As for Brian's parents... Charles definitely wants to go back to Burning Man. He wants to build an art car and get right into it. Lee is stated that she had fun with it and doesn't think that she needs to go back to Burning Man and, and is totally okay if she never does, but she wouldn't let Charles go alone. <laughs> he, he felt like he was out of touch with young people before this, but like he was thrown into it. It was like seeing this guy go become a kid again. I think that's the magic of Burning Man. You know... When you're in a big rainstorm and you're like waiting under a little piece of shelter, I think of the times I was hiding under a shade structure with a stranger and just sparking up a conversation because the dust storms were so heavy. This movie is a staple in time that we'll always have. Regardless of if it's super successful or super not, I owe that all to, to Bryant's can-do attitude of saying like, let's do this now. Sometimes you just gotta dive into the deep end. That story again was shared by Joel Ashton McCarthy and Bryant Boson, a.k.a. DJ Spry. Their movie, which I'm seeing the second it opens in Vancouver, won the Audience Award for Best Documentary at the Sonoma Film Festival. Uh, it'll be playing in Soho in New York in a couple weeks. If you're there, you should check it out. There are more dates to come. If you want details, hit up thelaps.org. All of them are there, plus some info on their new projects, which make me jealous and already look outstanding. Big thanks to Emily Levy for helping me out on the transcription with one of these two interviews. Uh, more thanks to come in that regard for, for a bunch of people, uh, including one, maybe, maybe, just maybe, who might be writing on this show. Very exciting. You should also try getting that free audiobook from Audible because uh, that'll help offset the cost of running this dang thing. For the 19th time, that's audibletrial.com slash The Laps. My name is Kyle Jest. Thank you so much for listening. This was The Laps.